Welcome to our Reflections on Saviour podcast with your host Alex Cowan, Josh Hill, Chris Mock and John Wiggins. This week uh, is, marks the end of our walk through the Bible where we will be in the book of Revelation and John is going to kick us off this morning. So <clears throat> Revelation is pretty strong on John the Apostle being the author. He he refers to himself as the author uh, four different times in uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 1, chapter uh, in three times in chapter 1, sorry, and then chapter 22 at the end, uh, he alludes to himself. So uh, not a lot of reason to really talk a whole lot about authorship. Uh, it's pretty strong. Almost, almost unanimously, the early church said John the Apostle wrote this document. So uh, anything that was dissent usually was for, you know, dogmatic reasons. Uh, I don't, I didn't, I didn't like the teaching on millennium or something of that nature, and this is and this this type thing. So, anyways, uh, uh, the date uh, I think would be best thought of uh, as uh, sometime uh, between uh, what you say eighty uh, sixty four to one hundred, sometime in that range. It was obviously after uh, John was exiled uh, to Patmos, and <clears throat> so. Uh, sometime around then, uh, near the uh, near near that time, probably closer. I think closer, kind of to the 100. But uh, yeah, one of the last, obviously the last book uh, written in the New Testament. Uh, Revelation is recognized early and circulated widely. Kind of gets some mixed review in the East, but it was unanimous in the West that uh, the support for it being in the canon. Uh, a lot of that comes from its form, right? Uh, it's a unique book in that uh, some uh, speak of this book in terms of apocalyptic literature, and rightly so. It's uh, um, it is very symbolic uh, in in how it is written. There are visions, there's dreams, there's so forth uh, that make it unique. Uh, it, it apocalyptic. Um, it, meaning that it shows God invading from the outside into history to defeat evil and bring about God's rule, uh, you know, on a new heaven and a new earth in the end, right? So, so uh, <clears throat> different people have interpreted it different ways as far as like uh, some, uh, some have emphasized different things in, in this book that make it, uh, you know, have to be more historical, uh, and some have said, no, it's all future. I think for the most part, uh, we would agree that it's mostly futurist uh, in, in its writing, uh, especially beyond chapter three. Uh, we see movement toward kind of a future, uh, a, f- a future approach, uh, moderate futurism, we'll say it like that, the best way to interpret Revelation. Revelation. <laughs> um, so that's about it. You know, the theme for this book is the final victory of Christ. Uh, Jesus is the winner. I think of, uh, whenever I think about Revelation, I think about, uh, is it Harry Carey that was the Cubs guy, that uh, the radio guy who uh, uh, would, would, you know, after every game, the Cubs would, would win. He would go, Cubs win! Cubs win! You know, and that, so John, that could be any yeah. sports radio yeah. announcer. Do the Cubs I think it win? Was, I, mean, I, I don't know if they ever won <laughs> when was he was the announcer, <laughs> but uh, but he he's kind of known for being that guy who said that. And I think this this the voice of this you know the kind of theme for this book is 
Christ wins. He's the victor. Overall, Christ wins. Yeah. I think, too, you know, when, when we're talking about apocalyptic literature and talking about the apocalypse, that can kind of skeeve some people out, you know, to the point that they, you, you have two frames of reference. You have the people who are like, yes, I want to know everything about the end. I want to analyze it to death. I want to come up with my own theories and everything and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff. And then I think you have an, another group of people that said, here's apocalypse and goes, apocalypse sounds a little, eh, I'm not really big into that. You know, I'm, I'm good with it. I know what happens at the end. I don't really want to have to deal with that intellectually. And I think it's because the word apocalypse has taken such negative connotations mm-hmm. throughout the centuries, you know. But a- apocalypse in, in the Greek literally just translates as revelation. So it's mm-hmm. it's an unfolding, it's an unveiling of things that have not yet been seen or understood. Yeah. So. All that to say, don't be skeeved out just because you hear the word apocalypse and kind of tune out from that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good word because th- there is, yeah, there, there's the, there, there are those on both sides of that, absolutely. And a healthy view would say, hey, I'm going to study. I'm going to, I'm going to, I know this, I know there are things that can be clearly revealed to me as, uh, uh, and, and it's, this, this scripture is authoritative just like every other scripture and all of scripture. Mm-hmm. And so we, we want to, uh, we we be faithful to to study in scripture, but at the same time, like like you said, I mean this this is uh, there there is some uh, I use a mystery because I don't have a better word, but but there is going to be some I don't I don't know that I'll fully understand everything here, but I'm going to uh, take away the truths that I can take away that are clear and uh, and really. Uh, those will be the main focus. That's the faith part of it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. It's mm-hmm. the if we could fully understand it, there would be no point of, in faith. So mm-hmm. we have faith to understand mm-hmm. the things that we do understand and be content with things that we don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Mm-hmm. And as John is starting out this revelation, this vision um, of these of these things, he's confronted with this man who we we believe is Christ. Uh, in my Bible, his words are red, <laughs> which means it's Christ speaking. And we see this description of this man, this incredible description of this man whose hairs on his head were white like wool, like snow, his eyes were the flame of fire. And this is how this man introduces himself in chapter one. He said, fear not. It'd be very scary seeing a man whose eyes were like fire. Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. What a way to introduce yourself to John, right? <laughs> when John is scared, Jesus says, fear not, because I'm the one who conquered the grave. And what Jesus is going to do is he's going to explain to John, he's going to give him these seven letters for these seven churches in Asia Minor. And I just want to share something from the last um, letter there to the church in Laodicea. Laodicea was a very rich place and had three main industries. Uh, banking, which meant they had lots of gold. Uh, it was a center of wool production. Lots of sheep were raised nearby. And the third one was um, what we would call in Scotland opticians. You would call it the eye doctor, right? It's where one of the Roman centers for if you had a problem with your eyes, you would go there and they would try and fix your eyesight. I don't know how they would do it, but that's what they would do. And they became very successful. And these people put their trust in all of their own wealth and all of their own success and not God. And what's very interesting is the three things that Jesus speaks to them about, they thought they were doing really well at, but it was ultimately their undoing. Um, 
He says, for you say I am rich. This is chapter 3, verse 17. For you say I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So their riches caused them a spiritual blindness. Mm. Which is horribly ironic considering they're the center of eye doctors. That's right. So let's look at the three things that Jesus is going to talk about, right? I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. So there's a, a better gold, a better form of riches. You might have all the gold in the world, but you're not rich. Jesus is saying what you can get from me can actually give you a, a greater wealth because it's a spiritual wealth. Um, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not seem. So they have all this wool production. They're making all these clothes, but ultimately they're spiritually naked. They might have the nicest clothes on in the world, but when it comes down to it, they're naked. And Jesus says, you can get for me a garment that actually fixes your biggest problem, which is not having a brand name jacket, but it's having your shame covered by me. And then thirdly there, um, he says, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. So you might come here to see the greatest eye doctors. You might think you've got it all going on, but spiritually you're blind. And the only way for you to see is to come to me and for me to open your eyes. Mm -hmm. So in every aspect that they're trusting in the world, they're failing. And Jesus is saying, but in me, you can have that and have it abundantly. You can have a spiritual wealth in me. You can have your shame covered. You can have your eyes opened to your spiritual um, depravity. And then he says, following on from that, um, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. What good news. They were fallen far away from him. They were in their sin. And he says, I discipline those I love. So good news for you. Be zealous and repent. God, uh, Jesus has shown his love for them. And what a word there, zealous and repentant. Sometimes we don't zealously repent. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's begrudgingly we repent. Or we come there like, oh, I guess I've got to repent of this. And Jesus is saying, there's no fine joy in your repentance. Like It's a great thing to be able to repent because it's a sign that you're mine. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, it also... Repentance can be the means of opening the door for fellowship to God mm -hmm. as in light of the next verse, I mm -hmm. mean, I, which is probably one of the more familiar ones yep. in the passage, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That we can join with Christ and what Christ has done. Mm -hmm. And speaking about joining with Christ, chapter four kind of talks about that in another way. You know, we can, um, it opens up with um, after this, after the revelation to the churches had been shown to John, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after this. Now, we had a rousing discussion before this podcast about what after this means, and what we came up with was nothing definitive. It so means after It this. just means after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, so uh, John has been escorted um, into heaven. He sees 
Um, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, and he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. First off, what a visual. Mm. Like, clearly something that has been set apart, right? It, it is representative of something that is altogether other and above and greater than what he had been seeing before, right? Uh, around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their head. And it just continues to, to John continues to paint this tapestry of a visual, right? Um, and then four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders that we saw earlier fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. So that's this magnificent picture of worship in the throne room, right? That is, this is a beautiful, beautiful picture. All of that to say, it is always striking to me that whenever a believer or the church corporately come together and sing praises to the Lord, we are actively joining in on something that has been happening, is happening, and will happen forevermore. And that's just the coolest picture to me ever I just love that yeah and then leading right out of that right John is just having this amazing experience it's like he's gone to the best church service in history in the throne room of God with all these wonderful images and then he notices something he notices that there's a scroll in the right hand of the one who's seated on the throne there in chapter 5 and he sees this mighty angel proclaiming who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. And there's this long search for someone who is worthy to break this scroll and open the seals. And for me, it sounds it, like there would be a good song. Yeah. Go I think, is there a song maybe about that? I mean, there isn't. <laughs> uh, but he is worthy uh, is, is a great song. But, um, but, but, <laughs> this long search, you know, and uh, it makes me think of the like the Bible. It's yeah. like you start with Adam and you pull up Noah and then you, you're you're looking at Abraham and you're looking at Isaac and Jacob and then you come to Joseph and then you're looking at Moses. And like as you just go to the Old Testament, it's just that question. Is this guy the one? Mm-hmm. And it's no, no, no. And then you get to Jesus. And that's what we see here. John is weeping because there's no one that's been found. But then in verse 5, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And then in verse 6, between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. 
And then we see in verse 9 this song, this song of celebration of the one who is worthy to open the scroll, the one who is worthy to uh, ransom a people for God. Um, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth." I mean, this is just the climax, the the picture of, and this is something John mentioned, you know, there's a whole lot of revelation left, but right here at the beginning, it's showing this is the big picture. This is the main point. Jesus is the lamb who was slain, who died for the sins of God's people and has ransomed them so that they will reign with him in eternity. Mm-hmm. It's just such a Man, I mean, it just is motivating to me uh, yeah, to see yeah. this picture. It's strong, man. It's, you know, and right after that, worthy is the lamb. He's re- to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. I mean, man, absolutely. What a, what a crescendo, you know, moment in, in all of the Bible. You know, I mean, it's just one of those, uh, uh, one of those moments where it's, it's climactic and it's been building up. Uh, and I like what you said because Jesus uh, Jesus alludes to those ones that were sent out, you know, and, uh, and, and talks about, uh, that in one of the stories he, he, I can't remember the, which story that is uh, off the top of my head, but I remember, uh, you know, the messengers were sent to you and finally the son came, you know, and, and, uh, uh, and he was the one. Reminds me of the parable of the wicked tenants. Yes, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Finally, the father uh, sends the son. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that that's the one that that was it. But but it's a yeah, a picture of man. He he was uh, he was the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God, mm-hmm. uh, who had the ability to open the scroll, mm-hmm. uh, the Lamb. That's great. That's a great word. We have back in Genesis five, Lamech saying of Noah, "Is this the one who's going to save us from the curse?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, all the way over on the other side of the Bible, Revelation five, we see the yeah. The one who's worthy opening the scrolls, great picture. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm my next, or are you up, Alex? I, I think Revelation. Let's go Revelation 19. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or that, that we're at here. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Revelation 19. We see uh, uh, kind of the that I know. I know we just skipped a ton of chapters just then, <laughs> and and. Every bit of those chapters has scripture that's authoritative for us, right? But uh, I think Chris mentioned maybe sharing a, a resource uh, for that. Yeah, um, so um, there's a commentary series that we all as a staff really enjoy using for every book in the Bible. Um, I don't know that they've completed the full series, but it's called Christ-Centered Exposition. Um, and the one for Revelation specifically was done by Daniel Aiken. Um, and it's it's just a really solid resource that works through these things in a way that is honest and consistent and you know gives you all the options it's not because there are a lot of thoughts on all this kind of stuff and who knows who has the exact right thoughts and revelation of all those chapters we just um, kind of jumped over there but that's a good resource daniel aiken christ-centered exposition revelation yeah so in in chapter 19 we uh we have uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. We always talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb every time we do the Lord's Supper. I believe I mention it as kind of a futuristic picture of where uh, we will all be seated with, uh, seated at the table with uh, with the Lord Jesus. Um, 
uh, one day uh, who, um, it says, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. His bride has made her, herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with a fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And so uh, it kind of comes to this um, sort of this, this picture of, of worship uh, with the Lord. And then uh, it says uh, in verse 11, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse, the one sitting on it faithful and true. That's obviously the Lord Jesus. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. Uh, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth come a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, <clears throat> those, those words are, are uh, once again, call, we're, we're kind of coming to another climactic moment, you know, where, where uh, uh, it's, a, it's clear that this is a reference to Jesus' second coming. And it's a very different coming than his incarnational coming uh, when, when he came the first time. Uh, as a baby uh, in, a, in, a, in a manger, this time uh, he will come with a robe dipped in blood. And it's very picturesque that this, is, uh, this kind of coming is coming to judge. This kind of coming is coming in fury. Uh, and, and to trample, uh, it says, uh, um, tread the winepress of, of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. Um, mm -hmm. Strike down the nations. I mean, this is harsh, you know. I mean, uh, this, uh, this is strong picture of how God is going to come back to judge people. And uh, we don't, we, we are, you'll either be uh, receiving the fury of the wrath of God through this judgment, or you will have uh, received the grace of God and Christ himself endured that, the wrath of God uh, in your place. Uh, you'll be one of those two people on that day. Yeah, and I think just the connection you made earlier between chapter 5 and Lamech and uh, Genesis, I think it's incredible that Jesus here, verse 15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. We think of Genesis, God created all things by the word of his mouth, mm -hmm. and now he's coming to judge by the word of his mouth. Yep. And it's mm -hmm. just, it is this, exactly like you keep saying, John, you know, it's this climax, this culmination of everything that's taken place is being fulfilled. So far, every time we've done a podcast, I've always went back to the first verses of John, <laughs> because I preached those back at Christmas time and loved them. And in the beginning of the gospel of John, what is, how does John describe Jesus, the man who saw his vision? How do you describe Jesus? The word, the word, of God. the word of God. And then when Jesus comes back here, it says he'll have written on him a name that no one can distinguish, but they'll call him something. And the name that they call him is the word of God. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, no, what is that name that no one can distinguish? <sighs> I'm, not sure. I'm not sure. I've not finished my end of yet. I think they might tell me the end. I think. <laughs> that's, the, that's the secret. That's the secret. That's the, that's it's the written final, on your diploma. It's <laughs> the final test. Right. The final test is going to be share with us the, the name. The artist formerly uh, known as Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man.
said. Maybe when you become a master of divinity. I can't, right. I can't reveal it to you That's right now. Because it's the secret, John. Uh, it's the secret, right? That's how you know uh, you've mastered the divinity. Oh, the oh. secret teachings that come, come to you oh, when you've mastered like a, divinity. It's yeah. like a password, isn't it? Uh, Can you see the name? Uh, just man. kidding. It's like Kung Fu Panda, man. When he opens uh, the dragon scroll and it's just the reflection of himself. That's what makes him great. It's, yeah. there's, there's no real secret. It's just it's something that you yeah. never get to know. Mm. I think that's mm. probably it. Yeah, it's a yeah great. When great I get picture. to heaven, I'm gonna ask. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what he's gonna say? He's gonna be like, "You can't distinguish." Uh, yeah, you can't distinguish. <laughs> no, no, you know what he's gonna say? It's like, man, don't give anybody an MDiv. Don't you know how to read? <laughs> Where did you get your MDiv? <laughs> oh, jeez, oh, that's man. good. Is it not just amazing, like Chris said, that we are seeing, having done this walkthrough of the Bible? over the last year and a half, we've been able to watch these themes be introduced in Scripture, follow them the whole way through Scripture, and see them culminate in Revelation. Mm -hmm. And I think this walk through the Bible has really helped me gain a deeper biblical theology of how each small story links into the greater story of God's mm -hmm. uh, plan of redemption and restoration for His people. And um, we see that final picture with the new heaven and the new earth. Mm -hmm. That's right. And yeah, well, one, right before the new earth and the new heaven, you see that, that defeat of Satan, the ultimate mm -hmm. defeat of Satan, mm -hmm. the final, the final uh, blow of, uh, of taking that uh, devil, that serpent, and throwing him into the lake of fire. That's in verse 10 of chapter 20. Mm -hmm. And then the unfolding uh, of the, the, uh, the judgment before the great white throne uh, happens after that. Uh, <clears throat> death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire. Verse 14, this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, man, it's strong. Mm -hmm. He was also thrown in the lake of fire. Sure. Mm -hmm. you know, that's uh, yeah. the final, final judgment uh, there for those. And, and then verse 21, like, like you said, you, you get to the new heaven and, and the new earth. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I, I remember preaching one of my first ever sermons England Rothless and I think I said something about the new heaven and uh, as soon as the service was finished Colin Roth came over to speak to me and Colin Roth was like our like theologian church theologian right he worked for a Christian publishing company and his job was like proofread books to make sure that they were free of theological errors before they were published he worked for Banner of Truth and um, he came out and goes Alex he says I think I said something like the new heaven was like Eden. Mm -hmm. I said the new heaven is better than Eden because it is completely free of sin and there is no chance of a fall. Mm -hmm. You're guaranteed to spend eternity with God. Mm -hmm. hmm. you, you're not going to eat the apple. You're not going to mess it up. And this was your first sermon? I think one of my first ones, yes. <laughs> I bet you felt great after that. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, thank you. But you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it is the guarantee of sinlessness and the guarantee of perfection eternally. It's a, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Let, let's read it, man. I want to read it. I want to. I want to listen to it. Um, let's let's just start in the first verse of twenty one, and then we can move through. But then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. I mean, when you mm -hmm. read in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all these prophecies in the Old Testament, it's like, I will be their God mm -hmm. and I, they will be my people and I will come and I will dwell with them. It's just, you hear this all the time. But here in Revelation, it happens. And we know the end of the story. and We know that it will happen, that God will be with us. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Mm -hmm. That's enough to make you cry right there. Oh, it's beautiful, man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Write these words down because they're trustworthy and true. Mm. What yeah. hope for us. And amidst, all, amidst that uh, beautiful ending, uh, there is within, uh, I believe, chapter 22, a strong invitation. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think you, you get to that conclusion, you're like, man, everybody should be there. You know, like... Like, that's what our hearts long for, you mm -hmm. know, um, is that, man, the lamb who, who showed himself as the lion and who one day will, um, will be with us, dwell with us, and, and desires that, and we will be able to be with him. Uh, man, uh, Scripture says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Mm -hmm. Let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come let the one who desires take the water of life without price listen the the picture here is that anyone who desires to follow jesus come that's what he's saying mm -hmm. you know and and if you don't know christ come come to know him uh come to know him before judgment comes because mm -hmm. judgment is coming mm -hmm. and uh uh final judgment will be final um and uh listen the spirit and the bride uh they say come uh, yeah. Jesus is saying, come to me, come. Yep. What, what an invitation, uh, because he's already said, come all you mm -hmm. who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he's been alluding to this from, from even when he was on earth, and now he's saying, finally, last thought, come. You know? Yep, the last words of Christ in, in Scripture, surely I am coming soon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we cry out, come, Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. And there's the innate desire and longing in the heart of every human being every human creation to find their home in something and we see that our home is found in christ mm -hmm. that our safe place is found in christ that the fulfillment of that is found in this passage and he is asking you to come mm -hmm. come and find your home come and find your rest mm -hmm. in him and there's nothing more important mm -hmm. than um our relationship with jesus this is mm -hmm. what revelation is showing yeah. us and um the last thing I'll, I'll say in this podcast this morning is uh, in, our, in my eschatology class, I remember my professor saying, we spend all of our time dealing with how Jesus is going to come back and when he's going to come back. But the question that the Bible says is the most important is, are you ready for him to come back? Yeah. And that's the most important thing. And if you're not, you need to get right with Jesus because he is coming back. Yeah. He's coming soon. That's his word tells us. Repent of sin. Repent. Turn to Christ. That's trust right. in him. Yeah. Follow him. Uh, mm -hmm. That would be the word. Yeah. 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 At, at the close of this podcast, we will have at least touched every single book of the Bible. The most important thing is what we're talking about right here at the end is are you 
trusting in Jesus? Have you come to him? Have you placed your faith in him for salvation that this future is your future? Um, that you're in paradise and a new heaven and a new earth with Christ and all his people for eternity? Or are you separated from him for all eternity? That's the message of the Bible. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for joining us on this journey through uh, the books of the Bible. Uh, we've so enjoyed it, but um, subscribe to our podcast because this is not the end. We're going to start tackling uh, some more topics as we uh, continue on with this weekly podcast. So make sure you subscribe to our various channels, Spotify, Apple Music, so that you can keep up to date on all of the things that we're doing. Also, uh, follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, check out our website, uh, skylandbaptist.com. We don't want you to miss anything, but know that we love you, we are praying for you, and we sincerely hope to see you soon.